The Stanley Cup playoffs are about to get underway, and our local experts have all the biggest stories covered. We get the playoffs ready to go right here on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My pleasure to welcome back to the show Sarah Avampato of Locked On Kings. And Sarah, your team. No one really expected them to be here this year. It's like the rebuild is a year, maybe mm-hmm. even two years ahead of schedule. What was it that allowed the Kings to get here before anyone expected them to be? Well, I will say the first off at the beginning of the season here at Locked On, we all did our like hot take, bold predictions or whatever. And my bold prediction was that the Kings would make the playoffs. So, you know, congratulations to me. Uh, for, for calling that one correctly. I Check thought I was crazy, yeah. but you know, I, I glad, glad I was right. Um, but yeah, they are ahead of schedule. Um, I, I think that most people would have expected next year to be that year they made the leap, but here we are. I think they were helped out by, well, two things. One, Seattle being much worse than the like analysts and everyone thought they were going to be. And B, Vegas falling off a cliff, which no one is going to complain about except for Vegas fans. But, you know, that definitely gave the Kings a big jump up into the standings because of how Vegas fell off. Uh, the Kings also did a lot of work over the offseason to bring in uh, guys like Phil Deneau, who was voted the team's uh, most valuable player, essentially, uh, for all of his contributions. He has a new career high in goals, uh, just really all around great player. Uh, they also brought in Victor Arvidsson, who helped do a lot in, in terms of scoring. And it was just, uh, if you listen to the players talk at their sort of end of season conferences and, and and all of that, everyone felt just the vibe was different this year with the team. And I think that, you know, analytics are great and, you know, numbers and science and everything are, are really great for helping grow the game. But at the end of the day, there is that just intangible of the guys in the room feeling it and they felt it all year. Talk to me about Jonathan quick. I mean, a, he's healthy again, but B, he really looks like he stepped into a DeLorean, went back five years, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden is playing like Jonathan Quick circa 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was this was not the performance everyone had expected from him based off of the past couple years of him kind of trending down. Um, I, I do think that there's a little bit of that aspect of internal competition that really pushed him to kind of refocus his game. Everyone sort of expected this to be the year that Cal Peterson took over the majority of starts. Uh, Cal Peterson even got the home opener, which this was the first time in basically since Jonathan Quick became the starter that he didn't get that game. Uh, And Peterson has struggled this year. Uh, He's had ups and downs. He hasn't been as consistent as he has been before. And Jonathan Quick stepped right up and and filled that void. So I, I, 
it's magic. We're, we're not going to complain about it. It puts the Kings in an interesting position because, you know, everyone's been sort of thinking about, you know, his career winding down and what do we do after Jonathan Quick? And he basically stood up and said, I'm not going anywhere. And, and he, he's been a big reason this team is where they are. Dustin Brown announcing this will be his last season. Talk to me about his contributions and and how that motivates the team heading into the playoffs. Yeah, he has been just an iconic player for this franchise. Uh, you know, he's definitely the guy who leaves it all out there on the ice. Uh, any highlights package is basically going to include him like blowing up other guys. There's the clip of him uh, taking out whichever Sedin it was from, from 2012 that's gotten, you know, a, a lot more airplay late, lately. Uh, and he just is really heart and soul of the team. Uh, and it, it was both expected and unexpected. Uh, you know, you kind of figured he would just kind of, follow sort of in the Ryan Getzloff model of like signing one year, two year deals until he was done. But uh, he, he has decided that he he's calling it quits once the, the playoffs are over. And you could see how that could really motivate this team to just leave it all out there in, in this playoff run, whatever happens uh, they're They're not just playing for themselves. Now they're playing for Dustin Brown. And I think it's going to be a huge motivator for this team to maybe continue overachieving uh, based off of everyone's expectations for them. But they're, they're going to miss him. But he's already said he's not going anywhere. Southern California, L.A. is his home. So he, he's guaranteed to be roaming around there. Uh, I think if he wants a job with the Kings, it's there as soon as he's done. There you go. One player that the Kings will not have for the playoffs is Drew Doughty. He's mm -hmm. been a part of you know, their recent Stanley Cup wins, a, a key to the power play. He does so many great things for this team. How do you compensate for the, the fact that you won't have Drew Doughty and who picks up the slack? It's definitely been defense by committee um, He since, since he's been out uh, and knowing that they're not, there is no hope of him coming back, even if they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final, like he, he's, he's done for the season. Uh, and so all of these young players need to keep stepping up. We've seen a lot of guys uh, get bigger roles than they had maybe expected. And now that most of them are healthy, uh, it, it does take a lot of, like it lessens the load on the, the sort of young players who came up from the AHL to fill in uh, fill in big minutes. But uh, it, it's a real bummer that he's not going to be there. I, I know that, you know, he has, you know, a, a longstanding, you know, epic battle against Connor McDavid, and we're not going to get to see that unfold in the playoffs. And, you know, he was one of the loudest guys in the room about saying, yeah, this team's ready to take the next step. I want Rob Blake and the organization to invest in us and bring in guys. And they did it. And now he's sidelined. So it, it's, it's big shoes to fill both on the ice and kind of emotionally uh, as a leader, but you know, he's still going to be able to be around. He just, uh, I just imagine him, you know, sitting up in the press box or the locker room or whatever, just like, you know, taking notes. <laughs> He's going to have <laughs> ideas on what they need to do better. So obviously the Oilers represent a challenge. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you have strength against strength, the explosiveness of the Edmonton Oilers offense against the stinginess of the mm -hmm. LA Kings defense. What do you have to do to slow down dry sidle McDavid and company and have a chance of winning this series? Yeah, I think that it's definitely going to be a lot on the defense. It's going to be a lot on the guys like Kopitar and Deneau who play more defensive forward roles. Uh, and at some point it may just become having to outscore your problems, uh, which the Kings have actually kind of shown they can do this year, surprisingly enough. Uh, and, and so it's going to be a really interesting series. I think that for the Oilers, as Mike Smith goes, so goes their playoff 
uh, run. And so, you know, Kings fans are hoping that Mike Smith turns back into like bad Mike Smith, but uh, it's just going to be a lot of, you know, you know, Phil Deneau shut down Mark Stone for the Canadians last year uh, in, in the playoffs. And I'm, I'm pretty confident he can do much the same with the Oilers, but uh, there's also going to be the, uh, the aspect of don't underestimate the rest of their players, because if you shut down, you know, you can shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl, sure, but there's other guys out there who can score. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting series. I have no idea what to expect, but uh, here for a good time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are comparing stylistically this year's mm-hmm. Kings to last year's Jets, who mm-hmm. swept the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Do you see any validity to that comparison? I think the sweep probably not possible, but uh, just because it, sweeps are so rare, um, you know, when they do happen, they're always kind of funny. I mean, the Kings' last playoff appearance was them getting swept out of it by Vegas, so I, I get it. Uh, but I, I do think that this series is a little bit of a coin toss. Uh, I, I kind of hesitate to predict a winner because, you know, whenever the Kings were kind of jockeying for seating and you were wondering who they're going to play, I was like, oh, there's a lot of ways this could go really terribly. Like they could have gotten to play Colorado and I would have been like, well, that's a waste of time because they're just going to lose. But, you know, I, I think that this could go either way. And so it's going to be really interesting to see it unfold. Sarah, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find your podcast and where they could find you on social media? Sure. You can find Locked on Kings wherever you get your podcasts. Also up on YouTube. I'm really excited for the first time in Locked on Kings history to be covering the postseason with the team and not just having to talk about guys who used to be on the team who are still in the postseason. So really excited for that. You can find me on Twitter at right said Sarah. It's W-R-I-T-E said Sarah with an H. And Locked on Kings is on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Always a pleasure. Gladly. Is brought to you by Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are perfect, the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags and your kids' backpacks. Make sure everyone has a bar so you're fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means that with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Have you tried the Puffs yet? We are going crazy for Puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only got 140 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but pack 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show a familiar face for Locked On NHL viewers and listeners, Jess Belmosto of Locked On Flames. Jess, are you excited for the playoffs? Yes. I haven't felt this good about a postseason run in quite some time. So it's, uh, it's nice to see really all the teams just kind of 
edge their way in or, you know, be the real underdogs. And I think the Flames are just one of those teams that everyone minus Edmonton is rooting for. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's an easy one. I mean, look, the Flames, you know, they're flying a little under the radar because, you know, the Avalanche gets so much attention. The Oilers get so much attention. 50 wins, 111 points, uh, third in the league in goals against, sixth in the league in goals scored, top 10, both power play and penalty kill. Why doesn't this team get quite as much respect and recognition as they probably deserve? Do you want my honest answer? Yeah. Uh, Alberta, the market is so small. It's not, um, you know, this big hoopla of a city like Toronto or, um, you know, like New York City or anything like that. So there's not a lot of eyes on it. It's, um, I don't want to call it boring because that's mean and untrue, but there's just not a lot of um, eyes on a small market like that. Makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Uh, talk to me about the top line on this team. I mean, they have been electric all year round and uh, what makes them so special? The chemistry. Uh, they are the only line in hockey this year to have played all 82 games together. Uh, so they spent the whole season together, which I think was smart. I don't think that there was ever a reason to break them up. Obviously, uh, Gaudreau got that promotion from the second line to the first line um, once Sutter took over. And I, I don't know why every other coach was kind of delaying that. I don't know what the benefit of holding uh, Gaudreau back was, but just having such dynamic playmakers and goal scorers uh, who have this fantastic form of communication and chemistry just has been the true success for this team and really uh, just elevated this team to a whole nother level. All three of them topping 40 goals this year. Are you concerned about the scoring depth behind Goudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm? Not at all. Uh, this team really made an effort to put together a roster of players who can score beyond, you know, that top six, top nine. You know, you look at um, their fourth line and you have Milan Lucic, who has been make, who has kind of had a little bit of a late season resurgence. He had one earlier in the year and then kind of fizzled out a little bit. And then Dylan Dubé has been on fire uh, or was on fire at the end of the season. I think it was eight goals in the last seven games. Tyler Toffoli has that playoff experience, so it's not a concern there either. And I think one of the best things about this team is that their their defensemen can score. Noah Hannafin, uh, Chris Tanev, more so Rasmus Anderson even. He had a really great bounce back season considering last year he was performing at a level that was below expectation. And to have this kind of uh, breakout season really at 24 years old um, after losing his uh, D partner, Mark Giordano to the expansion draft. It was really great. Two years ago, Dallas knocked 
the Flames out of the playoffs. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup final in the bubble year. Is there a little bit of revenge factor heading into this series for the Flames? Maybe, but personally, I think that um, the Flames team from the bubble was completely undisciplined, had no business being in the playoffs, and were lucky to get past Winnipeg in that play-in round, mainly because I believe it was Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler were injured. So they were able to, you know, they kind of got a mulligan there. And I think that the Flames are hungry for a win. I think that they are by far the more competitive and through-and-through talented team. Um They've been pretty lucky this year with goaltending as well. So I I think that the Flames are just going to go at this like they would any playoff series, regardless of who the opponent is. Markstrom with nine shutouts on the year, but 63 starts. Are you concerned that he may be a little on the tired side heading into the postseason? Yes and no. I think that uh, Daryl Sutter has this reputation for riding his goaltenders into the ground and he did that with Markstrom this year and everybody was kind of screaming on Twitter like why isn't Vladar starting like none of these games matter or you know it would be a game against a team like Chicago or Arizona and Markstrom would be in net and everyone's like you're going to make the playoffs why not give this guy a day off and um But Markstrom is one of those guys who would lay his life on the line for the the game of hockey. He would not think twice about doing it. And he had a quote at the end of last season talking about, um, you know, if you're not upset that we missed the playoffs, then, you know, you're on the wrong team or like, you know, you don't have the right uh, mindset. And that quote has stuck with me since, uh, since he said that. And, I think that he has enough gas. I think he's always on like a full tank of gas. Always. And if not, he can turn it into an electric vehicle and he's good to go. So I just, I don't think this guy could ever stop. What concerns you most about the Dallas Stars? What what aspect of this matchup has you a little bit concerned? Joe Pavelski. And I, I just, you know, I think that there, this Stars team isn't the same team that they were a few years ago. Um, you know, obviously Tyler Sagan has had a lot of uh, injuries and some pretty intense surgeries, and he's just 30 years old, so um, he's still a young player, and he's obviously slowed down a little bit. He hasn't really found his offense um, until late in the season, I believe, and then same thing with Jamie Ben, just not very um, – the offensive production isn't there the same way as it used to be. So, you know, you have to look out for I, probably the oldest guy on the team with 37-year-old Joe Pavelski and the rest of that top line. I think that Jason Robertson has been a really fun player to watch break out and uh, just emerge as just a fun player to watch and someone that's so talented and same – uh, with hints and you just have to watch that top line but I think it'll be a great matchup um, between those two top lines 
Should be an entertaining series. Jess, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast? Yes. So you can find me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. Uh, you can find the show uh, wherever you get Locked On NHL. And uh, we're on YouTube at Locked On Flames as well. Jess, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining Thank us you. today. Thank you, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes. Hunter, big challenge coming up for the Penguins. Penguins, Rangers, great rivalry, but the Penguins getting some bad news about their goaltending situation. Fill in our listeners as to what happened and how does this affect the Penguins' preparations for this series? Yeah, so, I mean, the Penguins have had injury problems all year. This is nothing really new. Did They just had another terrible one that happened at the worst time, you know, with two and a half weeks left in the regular season. Um, and, of course, it is a broken foot uh, per multiple reports. Um he has not started skating yet. Tristan Jari, of course, that is. He's out for the first two games. He's now day-to-day, which is better than week-to-week, which is what Mike Sullivan said almost three weeks ago. Um, but information is going to be very scarce this time of year. You know, teams don't want the other teams to know their uh, intentions with players and stuff like that. But until Jari gets back onto the ice, we're really not going to know too much. But all we know is right now he's out for the first couple of games. If he is going to come back in this series, it's probably going to be late. You know, maybe game four, the earliest, and then games five through seven, if the Penguins are able to play those games, I assume, you know, at least a couple of them they'll be able to get to. But um, it's just a really brutal injury for Pittsburgh. I mean, it's just really honestly the one injury outside of um, a core injury that they could not have this time of year. And, you know, he's, Tristan was playing so well. He was this close to really trying to redeem himself after what happened against the Islanders last year. I think he's probably just he's feeling gutted that he couldn't go out there and prove, you know, everyone else wrong. You know, he proved us all wrong during the regular season. But to really do it, you know, when the stakes really matter, um, I think that's definitely, I think, kicking him right now. So um, just a really brutal injury and it's going to make the, 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 the task for the Penguins that much tougher. So Casey DeSmith takes over his goal. What can you tell our listeners about his style of play and, and what he brings to the table and maybe what he doesn't bring to the table. Yeah. So he's, he's not Tristan. I mean, you can't really replace what he does. He's a lot smaller of a goaltender. He doesn't take up as much of the net, but you know, he's still, you know, his, his movement has gotten a lot better as the season has gone on. He's definitely done work with Andy Kyoto. Um, he, he is vulnerable um, two shots that go up high just because, again, you know, he's, he's not that big and he'll tend to go down at times when, you know, in on, on honesty, he should be staying at his normal position. So I'm definitely worried about that in this series if the Rangers start to try to pick on him, you know, top cheese, either the left or the right side. But he has played better since March. I think he's at a little over a 920 save percentage, you know, since April. I think that's even like 925, 930. So the, 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 the good play has been there. It's all a matter of, can he really elevate his game 
Um, not to the point of Shostorkin because you're still probably going to lose that battle even if he does play well. But can he do it enough where the Penguins can win games out of it? That's the biggest thing for me. I'm sure he's welcoming this challenge. Probably didn't think he was going to be in this situation just because of Tristan was fully healthy. Um, this entire season, the injury happened against the Islanders just a couple of weeks ago. But no, we'll see. You know, cr- crazier things have happened. I know it's very unlikely, but you know, he still plays a very um, athletic style where his he's, he's honestly going around the crease. So, so like just his movement is interesting I is to say the least I think that's the word for it but um it's it's also a lot different than how Tristan plays one thing the penguins do have is is leadership and you've got you know the core of of Sidney Crosby Evgeny Malkin Chris Letang guys who have won multiple Stanley Cups they've been there they've done that uh, what do these guys add, and and what does the fact that they may not be Penguins that much longer add to this whole equation in this series? I mean, I think it means that they're they're going to do everything they can to have one more last crack at it and win a championship together. Because you're you're right, Gil. I mean, there's no guarantee that all three of them are together for the rest of their careers. I mean, both Malkin and Latang are free agents um, right after this postseason run. I would assume that Malkin will be back. Latang, I'm kind of fifty fifty on just because there really hasn't been too much of an update on their contract talks, but with how much they've accomplished together, three championships, four berths in the Stanley Cup final, five Eastern Conference playoff berths, and the most um, wins among uh, any playoff team in the salary cap era, um, they're going to want to try to go out uh, together and right off into the sunset going into the summer. Um, it's it may not happen. It's probably unlikely to happen, but you know they're still going to really try to play their best hockey just because I mean they've been together for 16 years. At this point, I mean, every every Penguin fan is flat out spoiled by what they've been able to accomplish together. Um, you know, they're the only three players from that 2009 Cup run that are still playing on the team. It's, it's hard to believe that. You know, the most recent one, Chris Kunitz, um, left the team um, after the 27 uh, after the 2017 season. So, um, you know, it's it definitely adds an interesting wrinkle to the series. I don't think, especially someone like Sidney Crosby, he does not want to go out quietly. He knows that the team has gone out in the first round three straight years. That it's not going to sit well with someone who is that competitive as a person. And, you know, his line was shut down a couple times a little later on in the season. He's definitely probably very upset about that. He's potentially going to take that personally. And then Gino, he's played, he's played, I think, with a chip on his shoulder all year. People have long said that, you know, maybe they don't, they, they can win without him, but he had 20 goals and um, point was a point per game in only half a season. Crystal Tang just had his best offensive production of his initial career at age 35. Um, they're full aware of what everyone is saying. And, you know, they want to go out and prove people wrong. And, you know, with when players like that speak up in the locker room to players that haven't won before, um, you know, they can potentially follow in their footsteps and, you know, play some of their best hockey. So um, it's definitely something that's not to be discounted, I think. That's for sure. So paint me a picture here. How do the Penguins pull off this upset? It's it's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, they have to get saves. That is, the goaltending has killed them. In the last three years, honestly, even going back to you know the playing series against Montreal when Matt Murray wasn't that good last year, Tristan Jari the year before that, I think Matt Murray also wasn't that good um, against Sounders. Far, far from the the reason they, they, that they lost, I think their defensive um, game was really bad in that 2018-19 series. But um, they have to get the saves. They have to get pucks on net at Shesterkin. I understand the guy has played very well this year, but the Penguins cannot treat this guy like God. You have to get traffic in front of him. You have to throw any puck in the offensive zone at him and make sure that he doesn't see it. 
You can't be trying to be like the Harlem Globetrotters and make every perfect play to beat this guy. They were doing that a lot in the four games of the season. It was not working. They scored one, one 5v5 goal in four games. And you know who scored it? Brian Boyle, of all people. <laughs> the fact that it was Brian Boyle, a fourth-line player who is going to get the start in game one, you know, for I think Jason Zucker is not going to be available due to an injury. Um, that, 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 show, that should tell you a lot of how the Penguins struggled. So they have to do that. Um, they have to also stop the Rangers in transition and off the rush. That's the Rangers' um, bread and butter. Uh, I would not be surprised if the Penguins do play a little more low-event hockey uh, to stay disciplined in the defensive zone. Um, all three of those things happen, um, and potentially they finish their chances, and it, that regresses to the mean from what we saw maybe a little bit last year. This has the makings of an upset. That said, the Penguins are the underdog, rightfully so, with how they played the last two three weeks. I think a lot is going to have to go right for them to win this series. All right, Hunter, why don't you let our viewers and our listeners know where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Penguins. Um, I post daily episodes on the Penguins every day, Monday through Friday, for as long as the Penguins will be in the Stanley Cup and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hunter, always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the playoffs. Yeah, thank you for having me on. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guest, Sarah Avampano of Locked On LA Kings, Jess Belmosto of Locked On Flames, and Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. We will keep you up to date on all the biggest stories from around the league throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs right here on the Locked On NHL podcast. New episodes drop every Monday through Friday. I'm Gil Martin. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.